I'm Carrie Doran, and this podcast isn't even funny. Hi, this is Norman Carpia from Flying Training Concepts. I'm coming to you from our mom bathroom here in Maryland, Texas. And today we're going to be talking about the soft body seat. As you can see, the soft body seat is available in many different characters. In fact, there's so many characters, we couldn't put them all on the table, so there's a limited selection here. But do go online on tohightrainingconcepts.com to see the great selection of seats that are available to you. It's multiple characters, but one character also comes in multiple designs, so check them out. Okay, so on to the, to the toilet seat itself. We are barely halfway through January. It already hasn't been a good month for a local shopping center. Four stores have closed at the Ohio Station outlets near Lodi. Three more are going out of business, leaving many shoppers to wonder about the future of the entire outlet mall. As far as Bob Jones spoke with the general manager, who says the mall is not shutting down. Store closing signs are up and fast and jockey. The latest stores to pull out of Ohio Station outlets. The Jim Marie shop here also shutting down after the company filed for bankruptcy this week. It's all sad news to Ed Gazowski, who likes outlet shopping. Never know what you're going to find. What shoppers are finding are a lot of empty storefronts. 17 are available for lease. Seven closures just this month, including Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory, Corningware, and Appalachian Outfitters. Some now wondering if the outlet mall can survive. I don't think there is going to be much of a future, really. Hey guys, this is Tristan Rader, running for Lakewood City Council. So I'm out here in front of my house, and I had a few gentlemen uh, playing some basketball up here on the street, which is totally, totally cool. But uh, I think that uh, we need some more basketball courts. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think we do, because we only have, like, I think maybe three, three or four hoops. Four if you don't count elementary schools. Like, you have two technically don't count elementary schools, and for us bigger kids, you know, what would you do? 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 What would I do? An excellent question. It trips my tiny toe taps towards timidity. My toddlers. I squeal. Like a pig. A fucking hog. A blasphemous dog. Rupa-ding-wah. Rupa-ding-wah. Ohio apocalypse. The Midwest is raw. Welcome back to another episode of the Humor and the Abject Podcast. You Toronto-based, Cleveland-visiting Screamers. This is Staff Only, the podcast studio manager. On this week's episode, we've got Bridget Mosher. Let's turn it over to your host. Sean J. Patrick Carney. Hello, it's Molly Soda here for Humor and the Abject, uh, a podcast that has been around for now a hundred years. Uh, congratulations and thanks so much for listening. I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 102 of the Humor and the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. I hope that you're ready to laugh, Screedlers, because my guest this week is artist Bridget Mosier out of Toronto, Canada. 
except she's joining me from a residency in Cleveland, Ohio, called Spaces, where she's going to be staging a solo exhibition next month. I'm personally in awe of Bridget's performance work, and I got the chance to write about her in a little piece for Art in America back in December. If you've never encountered Bridget previously, please, please, please spend some time perusing the video documentation she has up on her website. You'll be very happy that you did. Thank you for tuning in, and a huge thanks to my big DC boy Greg for signing up for the Patreon. I see you, buddy. Here's my conversation with Bridget Mosier. Hello, my name is Jillian Mayer filmmaker and artist and you are listening to humor and the abject the first and only podcast periodically a heater in the room where bridget was recording clicks on and you will hear the hum you can just deal with it it is very cold in cleveland we have all these engineers at the studios in LA. like what are they even doing you know, like, <laughs> they're what are they the driver when are they get their Bridget Mosier, welcome to Humor in the Abject. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, I'm very happy to have you. Um, right now, you're experimenting with life as a Canadian Ohioan. Yes. Uh, doing, doing a residency at Spaces in Cleveland, which is going to result in an upcoming show on April 12th. Yeah, that's when the exhibition opens, and then okay. there will be a performance on the 17th as well to kind of okay, complement Okay, cool. That. And the show is called "You Opened That Can." Now let's eat the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, how long? How long have you been? Uh, you got to Cleveland pretty recently, right? How long have you been in residence? Uh, so yeah, I got here on the first. So now it's been about ten days. I okay. Guess. Okay. Good. We're the tenth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. I saw an event listing on uh, the website Carpe Diem that. Uh, the Cleveland section said there's a little welcome reception for you and another artist in residence, Jacob Kessler of Johnston, Pennsylvania, on March 7th at the Lava Lounge. Yeah, we had that. Yeah, how did, how did that go? <laughs> I understand that 15% of food and drink sales were going to spaces. Um, that- yes, if you did mention that to the um, slightly uh, disgruntled bartender. <laughs> they would, oh, they'd reserve part of it? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I'm not sure how that worked. <laughs> You know, it was really cold uh, that night, uh, but it was really nice. <laughs> That's great. Well, I also saw in Carpe Diem's listing that the <laughs> aforementioned reception was it was competing with not only a concert by Lifehouse, known for their 2000 single hanging by a moment, but Fuck. also neighboring Lakewood City Council member Tristan Rader's first official fundraiser as councilman. Were you worried at all that those might affect the turnout? I felt I felt the effect of that. Let me tell you. <laughs> Spaces oh. felt the effect of that. Okay. What um, are you working on there? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, if I actually think about it, I don't participate in exhibitions that frequently um, through no choice of my own. It's not like I'm, like, declining them left and right. Uh, but <laughs> but Would more... you like a solo exhibition? Would you like to fuck off, maybe? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think like that's just a big part of um, 
a, a kind of concern a performance artist is always grappling with is like how do you make something that occupies time and space outside of your body yeah and so um and also when it's like hard to get resources to to do that as well you know depending mm-hmm. on different institutions funding models i mean spaces is really great and super supportive so that's part of why this is all possible cool um and yeah i guess in the past i've made you know, video works that are different from performances um, that are typically, though, like involve performance for camera. Um, and so that is kind of going to be one component of this. But I'm also trying to mediate it in the space at the same time so that it's not just like, here's a video. The monitors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here. That there might be some other stuff in there to kind of make it um, work, work a little bit. But that's also just like not really the way that I'm used to working. So part of it is trying to figure out what that should be for me yeah did you have stuff in mind when you went into the residency or are you kind of feeling it out to just sort of throw caution to the wind and see what ohio kind of inspires in you <laughs> well because yeah and like this came about i did a studio visit um with christina vasallo who's the director um there and then she had kind of encouraged me to apply for the residency program but I hadn't really thought about it and so I was kind of thinking like okay well if I was in what would I even be thinking about or doing in Cleveland um because I've never been here before uh and so for some reason the kind of general trajectory I started with was this idea of or I'm just thinking a lot about malls Mm -hmm. here for example comes the heater again but relax it's not that big of a deal I feel, as the podcast studio manager, like I need to address it. Or else you'll think we don't meticulously edit these things. Um, just because Cleveland has a lot of different uh, iterations of what mall can be, like including like, um, you know, like a traditional park that's called a mall, but they also have like a mall that was built in 1890 uh, that uh-huh. st- is still like in, in its Victorian style um, and then there were kind of these really infamous dead malls all around Cleveland that yeah, have just yeah. now been torn down I mean they were super dangerous so it's like makes sense it's good, good that they did that um, but now they've been they're currently in the process of being replaced by Amazon facilities uh, oh really yeah so like all these um yeah, all these former mall sites are being transformed into massive, massive Amazon warehouses. Uh, yeah, and then kind of as you get further outside of Cleveland, there are more malls that are in the process of dying. Um, mm. and, and kind of, yeah, so I guess I was, because so much of my research already happens in a mall space, uh, because I work with objects, um, yeah. I was just sort of, yeah, thinking about what that can mean. Are you able to get around Cleveland pretty easily? Do you have to? Or do no. you have a car there? No. no. Okay. <laughs> are you like just sort of asking, trying to hit up people for rides? Could you please take me to look at this uh, decaying mall that isn't open? And I mean, they are like people do offer rides when it's possible, and so it yeah. is. It, that is like an option, but it's not, I can't just like go on a whim at some point. And also, last weekend when I just got here, I was like, oh, I'm gonna walk downtown and like figure out what downtown is like. And it took me an hour to walk <laughs> to okay. the downtown yeah. core. Um, and so yeah, I've been doing lots of walking. Uh, <laughs> but, but you're yeah. coming from. You're not intimidated by the weather because you're coming from Toronto. So yeah, it's like it's... basically identical to Toronto. 
Yeah, because it's it's just like southwest across the lake almost, right? Yeah, like so di- Toronto's on a different lake. Toronto's on Lake Ontario, and then but if you... Oh, it's on Erie, yeah. Yeah, Cleveland's on Erie. but yeah. see, it doesn't last that long. But it's like basically identical, it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Interesting. Do you have an impression? What was the downtown like? Did you get a good feel? <laughs> I mean, I think it's cool. Yeah. Like, Toronto's so weird because it's super, it's like the ugliest city maybe I've ever lived in. <laughs> Toronto is. It's so fucking ugly. Um, <laughs> I remember John McCurley saying one time, it's like, you go somewhere for a long time and then you fly back and you land in Toronto and you're like, wow, it's like so ugly here. But I also want to kiss the ground because I love it. <laughs> Maybe it's just not trying to impress anybody, you know? Yeah, or like, um, yeah, just kind of a lack of preserving older buildings and like a real desire to overdevelop places and redevelop places with like a really horrible aesthetic of like (laughs) contemporary condominiums. Uh So we have a lot of that. I mean, there's some cool buildings for sure, but there's just like... I feel like a lot of the time there's no kind of sense of the built history. There's no yeah. good sense of the history before, you know, like settlers arrived in Toronto and built all mm-hmm. that shit. Um, yeah. So in some ways it just feels like all of that is constantly being hidden or destroyed. Interesting. Uh, whereas in Cleveland, yeah, it's like the when the economic boom happened, it was in the kind of earlier 20th century. So there's all these like very ornate cool looking structures oh wow where you feel like i haven't been there before it's cool you should come (laughs) i heard it rocks there's a whole song about that i still (laughs) i haven't even gone to the rock and roll hall of fame yet somehow oh that is there yeah that Hmm. is there is that the and that's like the one that's the one that you have to get inducted into it's that's the big one why the fuck is it in cleveland (laughs) i don't I mean, I got to go to find out. I mean, I good think. for Cleveland. That's awesome. But I don't yeah. associate. Oh, I guess it rock. I mean, there's this. I know it rocks. Did someone just hear that song and they're like, well, I guess. We should move it here. Yeah, it should be here. But yeah. um, where did, wait, where did you grow up? Are you from Toronto originally? No, uh, I grew up just outside of Vancouver, kind of okay. in the suburbs there. Okay. Um, And then when I was. Yeah, so I and I stayed there till I was like eighteen, and then I moved to Montreal, which is like the Canada's cool city. Sure, they speak French. <laughs> they speak French. Um, that movie Taking Lives takes place there. Have you ever seen that with Angelina Jolie and Ethan Hawke? I have Hawk? not. I have not. Yeah. It's like a he's like a serial murderer artist or something. I can't wow. remember exactly, but it's in Montreal, and I remember seeing that when I was younger, and I was like, oh, I want to go to Montreal. That's where the cool people go. So, yeah, it's where, like, <laughs> violent, mean people who murder people live. I mean, uh, yeah, that's true to some extent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, there's, like, a pretty good mafia outpost there. Uh, really? What kind of mafia? Um, like, Italian mob. Italian. Like, mm-hmm. real, like, traditional. Kind Super of like traditional. A, yeah. a lot of the city's infrastructure was breaking down. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I lived there, it would be common for one day, like, an overpass to just completely No, collapse. like a viaduct? <laughs> Come yeah. on. I'm not joking. I can send you news articles. <laughs> like, That's insane. Wait, <laughs> yeah. did you go to, did you go to, I'm sorry, did you say you went to school in Montreal? Yeah, I did. Were you in art school? Yeah, I went to art school there. Okay. What was um, that? How was that? 
Who are some of your contemporaries? <laughs> I mean, uh, there's they're like names Canadians might know. Cool. <laughs> um, um, but no, but I went to I went to this place called Concordia, which is just like okay, yeah. a u- university, and then they had a visual arts program. Um, and I think I mostly applied there because I was just like, oh, I wanna. I want to leave where I am, and I want to go mm-hmm. very far away. Okay. And I liked that. Yeah, I was like, Mike, again, I was like, this is definitely the cool place to go. Yeah. No, I've uh, heard it's very cool. Well, and part of it is that it's like there are a bunch of universities in the city, so there is something kind of uh, – that's probably not why it's interesting. Um, well, but there's probably – if you're a younger person, there's a lot of young people doing stuff. So it's probably yeah. – yeah, that would be yeah, very attractive like to a, me. A really strong kind of DIY culture there, mm-hmm. I feel like. Definitely way, way more than Toronto. Um, and so, and like, yeah, lots of people kind of setting up venues um, just totally on their own. And, and it was way cheaper as well due to a number of kind of political reasons. But um, the rent was super cheap. And so you could do you mm-hmm. could do a ton without a lot of money. And, and so I think that's why a lot of cool stuff uh, happens there yeah. but yeah when I went there I was like oh yeah I'm an artist so that means like I make paintings and I'm a cool. nice nice <laughs> yeah like I made some like really intense uh political paintings in high school cool uh, like uh what were they about uh you know just like the Iraq war and stuff yeah I made a lot of in undergrad I made a lot of printmaking about the yes Mm-hmm. And That's... just like the media, and you know, yeah, just like fuck them. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I remember one time I made a like a monotype, like a print, you know. Yeah. And it was just like fa- name, like nameless faces, just like a mass of things or something. I was like eighteen years old, and I like remember writing on it with a mechanical pencil, "The United States of Generica." Like on the bottom, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong? With me? I mean, like, yeah, I definitely, it was like reading ad busters at the time. Hell was yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, wow, like the the real shit, the cutting yeah, yeah. edge shit is right yeah, here. They brought, they brought this guy to Arizona State when I was an undergrad named, I think his name's Robbie Canal. I think it's maybe how you say his name, but he was doing like, you know, it was like a, like a poster of Donald Rumsfeld that was wheat paste at some place, but his mouth was a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> It was like serious ad busters, just like or like you know, I don't know, like Ron yeah. English paintings. Like, where what yeah. if it's the Last Supper, but oh, it's McDonald's? <laughs> I completely forgot Ron English did a talk when I was in undergrad. You saw him live, <laughs> and at that point, I think I was like, mm, no, <laughs> Ronald McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Mussolini? fucking clown. <laughs> that clown. You'd almost think he didn't take himself serious. Jesus. Um, okay, so you're making that kind of stuff. When did you start to? When did you start doing performance stuff? Uh, like when I met you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like Wait. I had done like a little bit before that. Yeah. So so I took like one painting class in university, and my first year and was like, oh fuck, I hate this. Yeah, um, it takes a lot of time, and it's boring. <laughs> yeah, and I think it just was like the teacher that I had was really like, we're only going to paint from the model for the whole year, and no one's oh. allowed to talk about ideas. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, and so and then also just like, 
I think it was really. I I grew up in the suburbs, and I didn't know uh, almost anything about performance or like video art. I think mm. I really had no sense of of like the vast ocean that was video art. Um, yeah, or even like printmaking. And so from there, I was just like, I was luckily in a program where I could just bounce around and try a whole bunch of stuff, which was really helpful. But also, then I graduated and was like. Mm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you feel like I remember? I think when I finished undergrad, I was like, I don't really know what kind of art I make. <laughs> I, think I, was just, I did a lot of printmaking, but I think I felt kind of similarly, maybe that I just was like, okay, like yeah. I didn't really scratch the surface of stuff. But did you? I mean, did you have a desire to do performance or did it just kind of happen because somebody was like, hey, we have something coming up and you were like, I, I could do. Yes, I can perform. Oh, I'm trying to think because I guess like in a couple classes, like um, there was kind of an option to, you know, it would be like a, a fibers class. So we'd be like mm -hmm. learning traditional weaving skills, but the teachers were really cool. So they'd be uh -huh. like, if you don't want to weave a tapestry for your project, you could become a tapestry. Like that <laughs> yeah. Can, yeah. You can do anything if you can just justify it through your methodology. And totally. so I love telling students about that. Just yeah. like, dude, if you can talk the talk, you know, we'll entertain it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is really helpful because it was like, oh, yeah, like I can do like I can get some bad stuff out of my system to kind of understand okay. what, what what all is in there. Um, <laughs> and I think I would do like durational performances that weren't very good. That's um, but that's where you you have to start because it's like what if I just did this one thing for a really long time? Yeah, <laughs> and then by the length of time that you're doing it, people have to take it seriously. Yeah, like respect the amount yeah. of time I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, like this I did for. it for three and a half hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, and then I think like there were a couple of kind of smaller performance events that other people had organized but i also felt like there's also like a pretty strong tradition of performance in quebec that's like much more body centered mm -hmm. and like or more about political action which i think is really great it's just not what i'm or was at the time good at um thinking about as a like 20 year old <laughs> yeah. yeah whose life experience was pretty uh easy breezy <laughs> <laughs> and privileged um yeah so i think so so there was also just something about like the way th the things that i prioritized didn't really fit super well with kind of the events other people were doing there and i did probably in 2010 i did one shorter performance that is like very similar to what i do now Mm -hmm. um but was all it was just qu quite not good so it's like very fair that people after that were also like we don't want to see this from you anymore what? <laughs> <laughs> were you were you in your in your mind at the time even when you were organizing sort of the process by which you were going to do something like that were you was being funny uh a concern did you want it to be funny yeah i think well and i think okay. that had kind of always been true for me trying to think i guess not in those overwrought high school paintings but like. no 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 i was very serious about uh the bush presidency <laughs> but once i got to university i think like also maybe as like a pushback to that i think i got more into and i was doing kind of maybe more drawing work to, there too and and so like um yeah there's definitely more about humor that i 
was really strongly drawn to. Um, but again, also maybe just in ways that weren't totally working uh, or weren't resolved in any way. Were there people whose, um, I don't know, either performance art or, or comedy that you kind of were looking at and thinking of them as aspirant models or sort of imagining, that's what I want to, I want to make work like that person. God, who did I like that? I think like, yeah, I think at that time too, I wasn't even thinking about performance at all, like as a viable pathway forward. It was just like okay. a thing I tried sometimes, but then mostly I, maybe I was mostly more making videos at the time. And it was like usually videos about objects. Uh, okay. Yeah. Videos about objects. Yes. So what does that look like? <laughs> uh, yeah, videos about objects and or popular culture. So there's one... I made this, like, one-minute-long video where it's, like, all of the opening zingers from um, CSI Miami. Um, but, like, you know, we're, like... We're, opening... Oh, because the, the way the show opens with, like, a... Like, there's oh. a... David, like, David Caruso plays um, Horatio. <laughs> Horatio. And, like, he'll say something really stupid. Like, it'll be, like, there's, like, a long setup, and then there's one word that'll finish it off. And so he'll, like, set it up, put on his sunglasses. Okay. Drop the bomb. Yeah. And and then follow by, like, (laughs) The, like, opening. The who? Is that the song? (laughs) Wait, I've never seen. Wait, this is CSI Miami? Yeah, specifically Miami. I've never seen it. (laughs) But I I can imagine what you're talking about. It's okay, not, so just like a, probably, just like a, all of his <laughs> like every episode starts with him saying like uh th- someone will be like oh the, the you can t- they've been dead a while the body's cold and then it's like won't even really be a joke. This is just one I remember where he's like not just cold. Frank puts on glasses, cold blooded, and then what? come on. <laughs> The corpse of the murder. It's like open to a lot of interpretation. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the opening refrains of that song by The Who um, won't be fooled again. That, yeah. Is so, it? <laughs> it's whatever one starts with that scream. It's like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that? It? I think that I don't know if it's that song, but I know what I know what scream you're talking yeah. about. Like, but I can't remember what comes after. <laughs> That's the theme song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like these okay. crime scene investigators will not be fooled again. Okay, so that though, I feel like that. Wow, approach this is such talking- a long setup for what the video actually was. <laughs> okay. So then the the video was just like uh, a close up shot on some object from my home, and with the like the line overla- the audio of the line overlaid, and then I would throw a pair of sunglasses on the object, and then. Wait, I think I saw this. I probably showed it at Banff because I was like, this is what I'm thinking about. (laughs) This is what I'm thinking about. Yes, No, I do remember because I just remembered an op, like a pair of sunglasses flying. Yeah, they probably made absolutely no sense to you at the time. (laughs) Well, you know what, though? To think about that as an approach to to an early video piece, it does make sense in terms of later working in comedy and working with different objects because just picking those intro lines from CSI Miami is really kind of identifying a taxonomy or like a thing that you're going to 
organize as information, but you're going to do something unexpected or weird with it, which is very much like the kind of work that you're making now. Mm -hmm. So even if it's like a long walk between the two, Mm -hmm. I can totally understand why you would be like, I'm going to take the intro scene from CSI Miami and throw sunglasses at this object. (laughs) It weirdly fits. Yes. (laughs) And like the performative um, skills of David Caruso are equivalent to this like um, rotating fan in my house, basically. <laughs> like, this thing is a sufficient replacement for this uh-huh. this person's acting skills. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what is... Uh, so, speaking of objects, yeah. um, what is your relationship to the objects that you use? Because if people listening aren't familiar, you right. incorporate a lot of kind of, I guess, everyday stuff, bath towels, chairs, tables, plungers, all kinds of stuff like that. And you incorporate them into performances. Um, I guess it's kind of funny because I don't think I've ever asked you before, but like, are you a prop comic? (laughs) I think technically. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But the the objects just are what they are. There's no like, it's not like Carrot Top where you've attached something to the plunger. Where thereby it transforms. It's yeah, literally just a plunger. God, I talk about it's like I feel like I reference Carrot Top all the time, and then I'm like, wait, what does he actually even do? Uh, but because I have no sense of what his actual jokes are like, is just, that it? One like, that, like one that I remember is it's a it's a Manila envelope, like a big you know like an envelope that you would store your tax information in, right? But it's uh, shaped like a middle finger, and it's pre-addressed to the IRS. <laughs> and so you like, fucking take a fuck you. you know? yeah. Oh, yeah, and I then, get that joke. Yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Is there an IRS in Canada? Yeah, it's, a it's, totally, the, it's the CRA. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> so it's stuff like his jokes are kind of like that, or they're... Yeah. It's a, you know... Got it. It's an object slightly tweaked... To make a pun or make it do another thing, mm-hmm. um, usually through, you know, a little bit of misdirection, I guess. Got it. But yeah, you, you have I a more sh- poetic just... relationship. With <laughs> yeah, with a plunger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it can depend. Because, um, like, sometimes I'll find something and just be, like, very, um, like, I'll just know from looking at it that it's like, oh, I have to work with this. This is, like such a perfect um thing but then sometimes i'm also like okay i have all these ideas and like <laughs> i clearly need a coat rack but like which one <laughs> which one do which i which one need? will be perfect yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and i think for a long time too i was sort of thinking like well i'll only ever use one thing once and so it better be like um the exact right time to use it i feel less constrained by that kind of now i think just because like you can reappear a prop if you want yeah to. Okay. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes, I mean, like with those bath mats, um, they came in a set of two furry <laughs> bath mats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like the, the way they looked was really weird. They felt really weird. It was like, why would you ever want yeah. this like thing designed <laughs> to fit around your toilet to be like. So it's like the toilet sweating on it and people's pee is dribbling on it. It's yeah. Just, and just gross. there's like s- this like dense forest in which many things may yeah, yeah. lurk. Your bare toes grinding <laughs> in it while you sit in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. So bad. <laughs> 
but then it's like, oh, okay, these are like visually very nice, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. things I can do with them, and I like that they come together as a pair, and one of them is shaped really bizarrely. Um, that's yeah. cool, and so that makes. Is that why you're interested in malls, then, is because that's where primarily you're sourcing these materials? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there used to be this really great store in Toronto called Honest Ed's. Um, <laughs> Honest Ed's, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it, it was, like, this massive department store, and the outside had all these, like, these, like, huge Las Vegas-style circus-type signs lighting and just like with these like horrible pun slogans all over them um (laughs) but the thing about the store was you could get all kinds of stuff and stuff that like you didn't even know existed and it was very affordable um and so it was you know just like a very good resource for everybody um but then recently it was torn down to make way for some condos (laughs) so hell yeah yeah so it's gone jesus do you go into a store like that or into a mall with an object in mind, or do you kind of wander and see what jumps out to you? I think, yeah, it depends on where I'm at or what a, what a certain project is. I think I think a lot more now, too, about like the visual sensibility of everything and having things look like they all belong together in the same mm-hmm. kind of world. <laughs> but like there, one time, too, I just remember really clearly one time, um, there was like this toilet seat that was like one of those soft oh yeah, toilets. yeah i know exactly what you mean. <laughs> like yeah. you sit on it and it's like uh-huh yeah it kind of like deflates a little <laughs> yeah it's got like foam in it yeah and it mm-hmm. had and for no reason at all it had like a really elaborate print of like an underwater scene on the top okay. of it <laughs> perfect yeah. yeah and it was just like oh my god like that is so nice and at the time i was like i have no idea I have no reason for this yet, but I'm like, I'm going to buy it so that I know that I have it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe more now that I have to go to like a more traditional mall, I kind of have to go with something in mind that I'm looking for. Like a shopping list? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, the thing that sucks is I do shop on Amazon now a lot more. Sometimes you just Um, have to find the thing. Yeah. And it's hard because I can't like touch it before I see it and Mm kind of just have to go for it i mean all this stuff it's like one thing that i don't know how to reconcile yet is that like i get all this stuff and it's like produced under really bad labor conditions sure um yeah in like a system of intense economic disparity and then like and then if i get it through amazon it's like okay now i'm adding another layer in which mm. like all these people work in these horrible warehouses where like their movements are being tracked like yeah, and they yeah. can't even go to the bathroom because um it'll lower their productivity uh yeah so there is something like distinctly unfunny about that that's a good uh, it's a good question to be asking yourself and considering i mean i think as an audience member when i see the objects that you choose i feel like that's I feel like that there's an implication of that in it. Mm-hmm. I think that most of them are the types of things that I associate with getting from like Harbor Freight hardware mm-hmm. or something where everything is, it's like, oh my God, the screwdriver is only a dollar ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly, I mean, what are the economic yeah, I'm not gonna labor think conditions about why under that which is. this thing was made this cheaply? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think that stuff is implied and I wonder, it's a good thing to be asking yourself, but I wouldn't be... Um, insanely stressed out about whether or not you're offering up a critique of that because it seems to me like the objects themselves divorced from their utilitarian function 
the critiques built in. I mean, I feel like it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's a good thing to be asking yourself for sure. And I think like another really important thing to me about some of the stuff that I do too is that there's like uh, points of reference for people that are maybe not coming from an art background or that like totally. don't have a specialized knowledge in that way. And so that there's like, uh, yeah, this idea of like commonplace or everyday things uh, that, yeah, that there's something worthwhile to offer in that way too. That, like someone yeah. understands a plunger like just at its core <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it is a funny object too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because i mean everything its shape is hilarious its function is you're never using one because if something <laughs> funny hasn't happened i mean it's always it's funny not a celebration to... no <laughs> there's one for you but i think that's 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 cool thinking about how other people will access it who aren't in possession of a specialized knowledge of like the history of performance or because it lets them experience something that is performance art, but is also very funny mm-hmm. and is not necessarily strict stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty easy to follow your performances. They're quite oblique. And yet you're kind of like a pedestrian viewer could have as great a time as somebody who has a terminal degree in the field mm-hmm. and like get the same kind of experience out of it, which is pretty, mm-hmm. pretty rare, I guess, you know? Yeah. Or like, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, well, I was just, I was catching up on some of them over the last couple of weeks as we were getting ready to do this. And there's one with the plunger specifically where you, <laughs> there's like a, like a weird, I don't know, like some kind of like keyboard hit or like, Bwong noise or something, and you're just going like, "What would you do?" Pointing a plunger <laughs> at different people in the audience, and it's like, that is divorced from any cultural reference for me, except just like I'm like, this feels familiar. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, but I feel like it's like it's both like a a more you know video mixed with like a you wouldn't steal a handbag. Why would you steal a movie? Like, I don't know all this kind of stuff, and I feel like. None of those reference points are rooted in art history. Yeah. Those are very much just like pretty everyday. I'm like, okay, this is weird. Yeah, or like sometimes it will be a reference point that just doesn't actually exist. <laughs> but it's cool. like <laughs> But again, it's like, well, no, but this feels correct. <laughs> and so like <laughs> Can I ask how you how you start to organize those things? Cause if on your website you have I, I like that you kind of call them short performances or long performances. <laughs> yeah. It's just like they're either they're either like five minutes long or they're half an hour. There's yeah. kind of no, and there's that's no it. in between. <laughs> but how do you? I'm curious how people organize something that's mm-hmm. at length because you don't. It's not the same thing as you going up and telling a story. You're not mm-hmm. doing a monologue that has. Uh, oh, I have to hit these beats or something. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty weird. Like how do you organize? <laughs> yeah. How do you decide what to do? <laughs> Also a good question that I should ask myself more often. Uh, I mean, but is it is it pretty I mean, figured out before yeah. you go up? Okay. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Every that's yeah. the thing too. It's like everything is extremely scripted, and if I deviate by one word, I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, no, it was supposed to be this. Um, yeah. So, uh, and also that kind of came out of working at uh, making work for Dord. Um, with John and Amy, yeah. Yeah, that like, um, and maybe, yeah, maybe because they talked about some of the tech issues that would come along with that. It's just like, in the beginning, sometimes you wouldn't know who the sound person would be, or like, um, 
like maybe the sound person would switch uh, right before the show or something <laughs> like that, depending on people's availability. Uh-huh. Uh, and so... I kind of knew that I wanted to make this stuff that like shifted and changed pretty abruptly um, and, and like in ways that didn't flow nicely <laughs> yeah. or necessarily make sense. And sometimes there needed to be silence. Uh, and so the easiest way to deal with that was to just like make an audio track and be like, okay, worst case scenario, I can just plug my phone in and hit play. And I know like, right. you don't have to depend on somebody else to be doing cues and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. That and is, that's a whole other stressful thing though, because you're follow like if you get a little bit behind, yeah. You're performing in real time to a soundtrack. So that's like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I've done it before. And then if you have like a an empty spot in the middle of it where it's quiet yeah. and you're like trying to like count the beats to make sure that you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, ta- and time changes. Like my perception of time as a non... As like a practicing when I'm like just rehearsing something. It's like, oh yeah, time is normal and constant. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like you get in front of an audience and it's like suddenly I'm like and just like <laughs> going so fast for some reason uh-huh. and like and I can't perceive that I'm going too fast um, so yeah so it's like tr- trying to account for those different um, feelings but yeah so that was just kind of out of necessity that's how I started working because um, that and, requires you to have it all figured out beforehand yeah. you have to have it in a really specific order and worst case scenario, I know that like if I've got my stuff together, then I'm gonna be okay and able to do the thing. Like yeah. it's not gonna be a total disaster, possibly. Mm, it may be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, so you, so I'm kind of writing all the time, and I'm collecting objects all the time, and collecting or composing sound all the time, and then eventually I'll just start breaking down the kind of different components that I feel like are working towards what I'm whatever conceptual point I'm (laughs) trying to get at Uh (laughs) Uh, and so and then eventually I kind of just like put those all on different cards and then kind of start moving them around until there's like a composition that feels balanced but also like makes sense and kind of builds together in some way that makes sense and then keep editing and changing and until it's makes okay. sense to me and i don't expect it that order to ever make sense to anybody else but to me it's like okay that's sure but it sounds like you physically organize like at least stand-ins for different parts on cards that are kind of yeah. going to be a way to to look at the flow or see what the sh- for i guess the shape of it for lack of a better term of how that's going to look which is that's cool i'm always curious how people do that because sometimes I've spoken with people who do performance stuff and they're just like, oh, I just kind of memorize it all in order. Mm-hmm. But they never sort of look, but they don't look at it in a physical way. That really fascinates me. But so do people's approaches to how they make little blocks out of it and how they mm-hmm. build those around something. But yeah, note cards makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I like to do colors, I like to like mm-hmm. color code stuff, kind of shape it and then see, does this look cool? Yeah. That's, a, that's dumb. But does it, <laughs> is the composition uh interesting yeah or does it or does it have too much red or does it have too much this well and i do the same thing too if it's like okay this one's most this one's like a lot of talking so it's Uh highlighted this color this thing's only moving so i highlight it this color and then it's like then i can see too it's like okay uh yeah too much movement 
gotta slip something else in there yeah yeah i mean it's like composing like music yeah. or something interesting yeah. yeah don't bore us get to the chorus they want <laughs> you know what i mean like you gotta have you gotta have some something catchy in there too it can't Whoa, just I need be to, i've never had a chorus i need a chorus yeah oh you could yeah you could organize some stuff like that that's kind of fun and then you could have just a bridge like, where you change to like a, you change to like a you could do the bridge where you change to a minor key and it gets very serious but then yeah. you just go back to the chorus at the end and everybody's happy (laughs) but if you did a performance that literally just had a chorus it'd be so annoying (laughs) like they um this already happened this already (laughs) happened three times (laughs) and it's basically the same still it's it's the exact same (laughs) yeah that'd be cool (laughs) oh man um how do you so obviously Dored, which you just referenced, that's like a DIY, super scrappy kind of thing where people are sort of figuring out tech, but you're talking about you reacted to primarily performing in, the, in those types of venues by figuring out a way to get around it, figuring out a way not to have to rely on a bunch of people for tech and streamline mm-hmm. things. But we emailed a little bit ago before we got together to do this and we were sort of talking a little bit about the difference between performing in galleries and festivals because you had done the Fusebox Festival here in Austin <laughs> last year before I moved here. So I was like, oh, man, I wish I could have seen it. And you were just talking about how because you're an artist, you think, oh, I want my work to be in galleries and like maybe not so much in festivals. But then every time you perform in a festival, it's like you have a whole tech crew and it just like go and it's like and you have all this support and you're just like why do I want to be in a gallery (laughs) (laughs) yeah and Fusebox was like probably the best performance experience I've ever had it was like really okay I'm excited to go this year I'm I'm gonna be going next month yeah and in terms of festivals too I think I'd also just appreciate the kind of different kinds of programming that they do and the different artists that they bring in so that it's not just like it feels less like a theater. F- I don't know why I'm like super resistant to the category no, I think, theater, but no, I, I think am. I, under- <laughs> I understand why. No, because it's there's a and there's a whole economy of kind of like a type of performance artist who, yeah, it's like experimental theater, and they just kind of yeah. they just do festivals around Europe, yeah, exactly, and other places, and it feels like it's part of a different conversation than mm-hmm. like your interests in art or maybe comedy. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Yeah, and I think this, like, also the setting of a, like, theater specifically or, like, a black box type of space just feels so divorced from the everyday reality, like, where these objects are coming from. And yeah. not, and I mean, like, an art gallery is also extremely separate from that world as well. But right. it, I think, like, all of the kind of history that's embedded in that kind of space and, like... I'm very aware of the problems of that type of space, whereas, like, the problems of theater and theatrical history, I feel like I'm just less interested in. I don't know that much about, and I also just don't think that I'm part of that conversation. There's also, like, where your plunger all of a sudden, instead of literally in the gallery, it's like this person just has a plunger. If it's in a theater, then it's like, what is it a stand-in for? Like, it it takes it to, yeah. hmm. Because, yeah, it it becomes a set 
or something instead of a pro- yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's a shitty way to describe it. But <laughs> Although I do have this dream. Is it like Chekhov who is like, if you introduce a gun, yes. in the- <laughs> 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 then it better come back and have relevance. I just have this dream of doing something where there's just endlessly guns coming out of different places <laughs> that just are have no significance you at all. You don't address them ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You'd need a theater crew for something like that. Yeah, you need Yeah, to- <laughs> and a full set where, yeah. A wardrobe. It seems like um, it's context, though, is what you're concerned about. But then when you get into the arena of the festival, you have all these supportive people and you're like, God damn it, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was like I, I had like a whole block of like huge, like two and a half or three hours, I think, to do my tech. Um, and so I and I like had my audio track and uh, like one of my props had broken it, on the flight and in my suitcase and so i was like oh my god i'm fucked like this <laughs> this toilet Wait. seat is broken <laughs> oh because it was like a, it wasn't just a random one that you could get anywhere it was a yeah it, it was special... like this it was this toilet seat and so i was like oh my god uh and then like a man just came over and was like okay just a second <laughs> like repaired it in two minutes and was like there you go <laughs> Oh, wow, these theater people are neat. <laughs> yeah, like, and people then work in galleries. These people have actual skills. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and that one too. I mean, like I, I because of that context too. I performed. It was like almost an hour long. The whole performance. Wow. Yeah. Um, but because it was like I could run the whole entire thing and knew everything would be fine. Yeah, I don't know. It was just like oh yeah, and I, I was like on an elevated platform and there were lots of chairs so everyone would be able to be like comfortable during that time they were comfortable and, and they knew how long it. it was supposed to be there was yeah. like a run time it told them when it started <laughs> and when it ended really clearly lights would go down um, <laughs> i had a microphone and a full like tower of speakers so it's like did you have like a microphone that came around the side of your mouth yeah i did shut yeah. up like a justin timberlake one that's cool <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you had both hands free. Yeah. To do whatever you want. Amazing. Totally. You know, they had your prop at the, um, when they announced the Fusebox Festival for 2019 at the Central Library here in Austin, the curators and the festival director had brought a selection of their favorite props from, or objects from Fusebox performances from the last 15 years in they had uh, maybe one of your plungers or something at it, but they had it on a table, which was kind of oh, cool. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And Anna, one of the curators, was like, yeah. we have Bridget's plunger here. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in that case, too, it was also like, yeah, so I'm very, I, I get a bit hesitant to if I, and again, it's not like I'm turning them down left and right. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but like getting invited to a festival, uh, I spend maybe more time thinking about it. And then just like through conversations with Anna, it was like, oh yeah, I would really like to work with you. And like, I feel like she understood what I'm trying to do and knows where I'm coming from. And so. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a funny thing because I don't know, the gallery spaces, the stuff is fun to do and it's great to be contextualized in the gallery because you're like this is where art happens i am art i'm doing art um but yeah the trying to actually make something work in a space when there's an exhibition with like just a gallery staff is a fucking mess and they do you know what i mean it's like like i don't know it reminds me of like 
doing performances in galleries when there are exhibitions going on reminds me of at my friend's eighth grade birthday party when our band played when we were in eighth grade and we played in his <laughs> front yard uh like our and we set up a pa system none of us knew anything about anything but we were just like why does this sound like shit and i just remember it like we we're outdoors with like a yeah. pa system pointed away from us for that we only had microphones for our vocals i mean it was and we were like why does this sound so bad like we couldn't wrap our heads around it what are we doing every time i'm in a gallery i'm just like why does this sound like shit <laughs> yeah it always sounds like shit why Um, how like it's like you can you can set up just music speakers there it would probably sound okay but something about like the second that you're depending on them for something it's like it sounds yeah i had it and like um i had an experience too you don't have to say the name of it (laughs) i i can say the name of it it's fine uh because i've performed there a few times in different situations we've even done a couple doors there um, at this uh, museum called the Art Gallery of Ontario. The Ago. <laughs> the Ago. Yeah. The Ago. The, there's, the, there's the Ago and the Vag. I know those two I've also performed at the Vag and had an equally <laughs> difficult time. <laughs> um, but like, so yeah, so and after this, it's kind of like, this was in like 2013, so I hadn't been mm-hmm. performing that long. And uh was going to perform at a uh, they were called First Thursdays. It was like this sure. um, one of these types of events. Um, again, <laughs> where those, it's like yeah. there's a big attendance, but it's like right. not an art crowd, really. It's like a downtown finance district crowd trying to pick up other people. Um, <laughs> and like the art is a continual annoyance to mm-hmm. that process, mm-hmm. it seems like. Um, but also, I was like, they were sort of like you can perform wherever you would like and so there's this area where there are these kind of iconic canadian paintings um we have this uh historical group called the group of seven these like seven men in the early 20th century who painted a lot of landscapes oh good for them Um, yeah. <laughs> Super interesting stuff. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's like some of the first art if you're okay. if you're going to public school in Canada. Got it. Um that's some of the first art you learn about in, when you're in school. Uh and so I was like, okay, cool. I'd like to perform here because it made this kind of backdrop. That was because it's like this one continuous quote unquote Canadian landscape. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, there's tons of jokes in there to work off of that, like, probably people, some people in attendance here will get just because of, you know, those reference points. Um, and then they were like, okay, great. So how, like, this this event, people are coming and going all the time. Like, it would be weird if you just do it for, like, 15 minutes. So then right. it's like, You'll miss great. so many opportunities if you only <laughs> do it for 15 minutes. Yeah, so I was like, okay, sure. I'll do like tw- I'll put together twenty minutes, but it'll loop back on itself, and I'll just <laughs> I'll do it for four hours. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, which makes no sense. Uh, but mm. but also, I was a little bit like, could this work like this? The answer is not really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, and I just remember. And again, I had a sound system and I had to have a microphone and it's like in this huge reverberant room. So the mm-hmm. sound is just like mud and like there are people walking through and they're like 
so annoyed that it's going on and like (laughs) (laughs) and like some of the jokes are like playing off of performance art tropes and like Mm. but if you just walk into a room where that's something like that is happening and there's you have no other context for it it's like oh great another awful performance Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so like everybody's just coming and going looking super annoyed at one point i looked over and the sound tech guy had just left (laughs) he was just gone (laughs) <laughs> like, but I was like, I had to keep going, so I couldn't be like, "Can someone find this man?" I'm like, <laughs> and yeah, I just remember being like, "This is bad. <laughs> this is really bad." <laughs> it seems like you kind of brought it full circle, though. You found a much, you found a much neater and tidier way, though, to present your performances and also the concerns. And I think that. It sounds like you are comfortable picking where and when to do the stuff so that it makes the most sense. But of course, everybody everybody has to do the the weird thing with a bunch of random public members walking by them being angry if they want to do performance <laughs> art. You have to upset a streaming audience of people who are creating a dull roar that is so annoying that no one can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. Um <laughs> <laughs> when does okay so your show in cleveland it's opening up on the 12th the exhibition itself opens april 12th yeah performance on april 17th is that correct yes i believe so okay cool anything that uh people should keep in mind do you have a title for the performance or is it mm-hmm. part of the show is it's it just, part of the show you yeah, open it- that can now let's eat the whole thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which is, which is actually a Dr. Phil quote. <laughs> what? Okay, cool. Yeah. Wait, does he, he said it or it's a quote from his show? No, he said it because um, someone was trying to change a subject. And he's oh, like, he said well, it as you, if that's a euphemism. You for open a- that can, let's eat the whole thing. Okay, yeah, that's not a saying though. It's no. <laughs> not a thing that people say. No. <laughs> Is he trying to? Is he mixing his metaphors? Is he supposed to say you open that can of worms or something? I or don't. Like, yeah, I don't even know. I guess just like, well, we can't preserve this once yeah. you've opened it, so mm-hmm. best like finish a, it. Yeah, it's like a can of coconut milk. I'm. I swear, I'm going to use the rest of it later, but I never. But do. you're not. I never do. Oh my yeah. god. Um, well, that's cool. So people should keep an eye out for the show coming up at Spaces in Cleveland. If you live in Ohio, you should be going to it. But if you don't, I bet they're going to take photos. <laughs> Do you they think? will, and they'll video document it because they're very nice. <laughs> that's cool. And will there be video of the performance someday for people to watch too? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes. Heck yeah. <clears throat> and you have pretty great documentation of a lot of your performances on your website, organized depending on a viewer's time into short or long performances. It's very easy to find. And also, to be clear, it's like, I haven't, like, curated that collection to be like, here's the good stuff. It's just all the stuff, and I acknowledge some of it is quite bad. (laughs) (laughs) There are some where I'm like, oh, wish I didn't do that. But you know what? You can't change the past. No. Yeah. Well, at least you're taking responsibility for it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, Bridget, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I'm really excited to see what happens through your time in Cleveland and what comes out of this. It's going to be pretty cool. And I hope that 
you I hope you come back to Austin for the fuse box in the future. I don't know if they do repeats of people, but now that you're willing to repeat a prop in a performance, <laughs> festivals should be willing to repeat. <laughs> yeah, don't, like, I'll do the exact same thing. Bring you back. <laughs> 2020. Y'all liked it, so. <laughs> Y'all liked it. <laughs> cool. Um, well, Bridget, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Thanks, And to Sean. everybody out there listening, we'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>